Welcome, everyone, to Krypton to Alderaan, the show that wants you to know everything will be all right once we get to Terra's Lean. Now, that's not a Star Wars reference, as all of the intros in the past have been, but it's an incentivized reference. I would encourage any listener to email us in and tell us what that line is from, what that is in, re- in reference to. And don't Google it and then write in, because I'll know. <laughs> I'll know. So you have to like send us an email or a tweet be like, here's what this is from. I promise I didn't Google it. And then we'll know you're telling the truth. But also, if you write in and get it right and didn't Google it, I will send you, if you want, <laughs> I will send you a copy of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Now it's all incentivized. Right? Our first giveaway. <laughs> yes. What a giveaway, which is what this episode is going to be about. But anyway, so if you want to do that, if you're listening out there and don't cheat and don't Google it and want to do that, you can uh, follow us and send us your answer at Krypton Alderon on Twitter, or you can email us at Krypton to Alderon at gmail.com. Now, I'm Joey, and with me is Royce. What's up, podcast? And Robin. Hello. And uh, what I've been into this week is the Dark Crystal series on Netflix. It is so much better than I thought it was going to be. So I finished it. I got through all of it. I don't know what it is. It's like 10 episodes. I'm never going to know how long whatever I've watched, how many episodes, whatever it is, is. But it was just so good. And it's kind of like that thing where it's a prequel to the movie. It's very hypocritical, I feel, of me to say that I like it because I've been very critical of things like the prequels or Rogue One, knowing where it's all going to end up. So mm-hmm. sort of like, why do we need the on-screen representation of it? But this thing has like, it was so good and I really, really liked the story and everything, but it's also opened my eyes in terms of that. Like, no, you can tell like a really good prequel story where you might not have thought that you necessarily needed to tell the story, but it really just sort of worked and it, you know, it was a sort of first season of The Dark Crystal It didn't lead directly into the movie, but it set it up so, you know, for another season or or however long they want to go. But it was a very good story. It's a lot of practical effects and puppets and Jim Henson type stuff. And have you, have either of you seen The Dark Crystal, the original movie? Nope. I have it. I have not watched it yet. I think you'd really like it. It's puppetry. It's Jim Henson. It's Frank Oz. Sweet. Uh, Yoda. Yeah, exactly. Jim Henson does voices on it, and obviously Frank Oz does voices on it. And it's pretty much just all puppets with like one or two scenes where they sort of have someone in a costume from far away. You can kind of see just the movements different. But anyway, it's very good. It was very good. I really enjoyed it. And that's what I've been into. What's it on? It is on Netflix. Sweet. Yes. How about you, Royce? What have you been into? All right. So, a couple weeks ago, I was saying how I was excited for the Breaking Bad movie, El Camino. And it came out uh, a week or two ago. And we watched it. I watched it again. And this is a movie directly after the series Breaking Bad ends. It literally picks up seconds after the last scenes of Breaking Bad. Hmm. And it only follows the kind of sidekick character from Breaking Bad. There was uh, Walter White, played by Brian Cranston. Right. And then his sidekick, Jesse Pinkman, played by Aaron Paul. And uh, in Breaking Bad, Walter White kind of gets his story tied up. 
There's no real questions like kind of about what happens to him. But they leave Jesse's story kind of open. The very last scene, spoiler alert for Breaking Bad fans. I'm assuming you don't care, Joe. I do not. So this isn't super spoilery. But the very last time you see Jesse in the Breaking Bad series, he's driving away from the scene of a crime in an El Camino. Is there um, something with a Nazi gang? Yeah, he's like, he's held prisoner by this Nazi white supremacist uh-huh. gang. And he it's a very like tragic story with what happens to Jesse. And El Camino is kind of him getting his comeuppance and sort of just wrapping up closure for his character. And it was pretty good. If you're a Breaking Bad fan, you'll like El Camino because it's literally just like a two-hour Breaking Bad episode. Mm-hmm. But what I think is really interesting is Aaron Paul was on Jimmy Kimmel promoting it. And Jimmy Kimmel was like, so, I mean, Breaking Bad was like like the perfect series, which it is. It's awesome, like start to finish, except for one episode that Ryan Johnson directed <laughs> where they try to kill a fly that's in there meth lab the whole episode yeah is that why you guys don't like ryan johnson you know i didn't put this together before last jedi but in retrospect it all makes sense (laughs) it's not a great episode but it's a good art piece Uh uh-huh it's just about killing a fly in the lab Uh uh-huh Thanks, Ryan Johnson. And That's the like, only episode you can skip a Breaking Bad. And it's like, what, an hour-long episode just revolving around killing this fly? Yeah, there's a lot of cool cinematography, but it doesn't do anything for the story. It's just an experiment. Yeah. Anyway, so but the series is great. And Jimmy Kimmel was like, so this movie could only screw up the legacy of this series, huh? Right. Uh, but it doesn't really do anything to like falter the original story it continues it and it actually does some like flashback stuff to give you more context on this jesse pinkman character uh who is tortured throughout the series the whole breaking bad idea behind that is like walt turns into a bad guy yeah but he kind of leaves like a trail of chaos like behind him and jesse is like one of the bigger victims of that Mm. and uh he gets his revenge in el camino but if you didn't see Breaking Bad, uh, they said that you could enjoy the movie, but you're not going to enjoy it nearly <laughs> as much because there's so much. It's just like Star Wars. Like if you don't know the little details, it's not as cool. Um, but it's on Netflix. It's two hours long. And so is Breaking Bad. So just watch all of it. Hmm. How many seasons did Breaking Bad run for? I think it's like five, five but like the last season is like a two-part season kind of thing. Okay. And they're not very long seasons. It's maybe like 12 to like 15 episodes. Right. And the first one's only like five or six or something. It's real short. Mm. But it is the best series I've ever seen on TV. That's no BS. And the best series start to finish. There's no like, oh, season three of Lost where yeah, they yeah. clearly have no idea <laughs> where they're... The, it just gets better and better as you go. The finale is the most satisfying finale I've ever seen where you're not like, oh, they were dead the whole time. That's stupid. You know, or there's no dumb ending of Breaking Bad, uh, but there is this kind of like epilogue movie now that whether it needed to exist or not, who knows? But it's a really good series, and that's what I've been into. <laughs> Robin, this week I'm into the new Netflix show. It's called Living with Yourself, and it stars Paul Rudd. And I didn't even know oh. he was coming out with a Netflix series. Yeah. Um, we watched what two episodes today? Yeah. Three, two? Yeah, they're, tw- they're 25 minutes long. Yeah, so we watched two episodes, um, but it's interesting so far. The The premise is basically like he's kind of a hot mess and not very good at really anything, like his job or his marriage, and he's just kind of like a miserable person. And he finds out he can go to a spa and become a whole new version of himself, and then he wakes up in a grave in the woods and he realizes he's been cloned and that his clone is a much better version of himself. Oh yeah, that sounds amazing. It's, it's pretty brilliant. Really Watching good. this is soon as we turn off these <laughs> microphones. Um, and then you find out that typically he's the only per- he's the only person to ever have 
woken up basically right. after his spa treatment. Special somehow. Yeah. yeah. So we're at the point where now he's trying to figure out how to live with himself, <laughs> which I'm is why the show is called that. But it's really good. I recommend it. We're only two episodes in out of I don't know how many, but so far it's very, it very good. It could go a lot of different directions. I'm excited to see where that goes to. And I'm, I'm even more excited because I didn't know he was coming out with the show. I just mm-hmm. saw, I got like an email yesterday that was like, we added a show you might like. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Right. So that's exciting. How crazy is that that like a TV show can just pop into existence? Yeah. Starring someone very well, like a very well-known star. Well, like yeah. they just like, yeah, we just shot it over this weekend and it's just out. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm into. It's very good so far. I recommend it. Everybody should watch it. Here at Krypton to Alderaan, we have our finger on the pulse just enough <laughs> in that when, as soon as Netflix emails us that we might like something, we know <laughs> it's a thing and we talk about it on this show. No, it sounds very good and I didn't know it was a thing either until I think this morning uh, we've started doing this, what I would consider a relatively unhealthy thing where we've started on the weekends having breakfast in front of the TV. So when I booted up Netflix this morning, that was like at the top of the list and we didn't watch it. Um, It's very, very good. I would highly recommend it. I think you guys enjoy it. Yeah. The way they've been ending the episodes... Not to go on a tangent, but like they they leave it short enough to where you're like they could have made a full episode out of this and like really drag the plot out, but it ends immediately like almost like Last Man on Earth or whatever. Yeah, I We're stopped like, watching that though. But you know, I don't know if, if you remember yeah. how that went. It's like at the very last second, you know, it's like cliffhanger kind of thing. We're right. like, I need to see the next scene. Yep. Have either of you ever seen the movie Multiplicity? Michael no. Keaton. No. You know it? You know anything about it? I've heard of it. He gets cloned and he has to live with his, like he's keeping his clones secret and one's like a jerk version of him (laughs) and one's like a well put together version. And then one of the clones gets cloned and he's like, anyway, I don't think it's good, but it sounds a little similar to that where these clones end up having to live with each other. It's a fascinating idea. What was that Ewan McGregor movie? The Island? Yeah, The Island where they're like, your clones being harvested for organs. Yeah. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. Yep. It's very interesting, especially because I think the entire premise of the series is that nobody else ever realizes that the living version is the clone. You're just like, I went to the spa and now I feel really amazing. Huh. It gets your memories and whatnot. Yeah. So that's the whole point of the cloning facility is that like- They kill you, make a better making you. Making a better version of you. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's very, very good. But so Paul Rudd and his clone both think they're living this life and they're like, she's my wife. Mm-hmm. No, she's my wife. You know, that's funny. So it's like a dark comedy. It's right yes. for comedy. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. That's what we've been into. Yeah. Okay. Now, peek behind the curtain before the podcast started. I told both of you that I had a surprise for you. <laughs> and I'm going to surprise you both now. I'm going to read on air our first listener email. Sweet. Nice. Wow. <laughs> yay. Oh. First okay, listener cool. email. <laughs> Okay, the title of the email is Love Your Podcast, and it's from Julia G. It says, Hey, Joey, Lorelai, Royce, and Robin. Julia says, My friend and coworker shared your podcast with me about a month ago. My husband, Carl, and I have been listening ever since, and we've enjoyed every episode. Nice. Wow. Sweet. We're big Star Wars nerds. I really enjoyed when you talked about your first Star Wars memories. I remember my first Star Wars experience so clearly, and it was fun to hear yours. Carl and I are both comic book fans, DC and Marvel. Me in the last six years, him for his entire life. We loved listening to your updates about the new Marvel and Disney shows. I hadn't heard about the Miss Marvel show, and I'm now incredibly excited. Such a great character, and I'd been hoping she would... 
uh, get some screen time. Carl was particularly interested in the Moon Knight show, one he thinks is a deep cut. I agree, Carl. Uh, Last night, we read the synopsis for the most recent episode, and Carl told me that his childhood jokers were Cesar Romero and Jack Nicholson and Mark Hamill's voice. Uh, So even your episode synopsis has promoted good conversations. (laughs) We're killing it, guys. Sweet. We also love the discussion and update about the Arrowverse slash Crisis on Infinite Earths. Well, then you're going to love this episode. Alex Ross is one of Carl's favorite artists, so he's beyond thrilled at the photo release of Brandon Routh's Kingdom Come Superman. We can't wait to hear what you have to say about that. We loved every topic you all have talked about so far. I've been convinced to give (laughs) Battlestar Galactica (laughs) another go. The topic I would like to hear you discuss is Star Trek. Mm. Hmm. So we're going to have to start watching. She says, I like the new reboots. Have you seen the new Picard trailer, which I've seen and have heard about? Uh, Please tell me at least one of you is a Trekkie because that's the only thing missing so far. Dude, Next Generation, (laughs) best theme song in all of (laughs) sci-fi TV shows. Love the podcast and look forward to new episodes every two weeks. Julia and Carl, even though he didn't have any input on this email. Thanks, Julia. Thanks, Julia. Uh, Yeah, so for Carl, uh, I was thinking about this actually the other day on a drive uh, as I was coming up with content for this episode. And I think that when I picture Superman, like we're talking about Crisis on Infinite Earths, both in comic book form and in TV show form. So I've been thinking a lot about it and Kingdom Come. But when I picture Superman, that Alex Ross image of Superman from Kingdom Come, I think is the one that stands out most to me, which is, I mean, he's just a great artist, but also that's just a great image. So yeah, Carl, I'm on board. That's the same. So that's uh, that's our first listener email. Sweet. I like suggestion topics. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. We should do any if anyone else is listening and has suggestion topics, uh, shoot us a tweet or an email. Yeah, dude. Because the idea, like Krypton to Alderaan. And everything in between. Right? Yeah. So Star Trek is definitely somewhere in between. Yeah. Earth. I like Next Generation and like the J.J. Abrams reboots. That's really all uh, yeah, I really, I'm so, familiar with though. Yeah. I'm mostly familiar with the J.J. Abrams reboots and, you know, seen some episodes here and there along the way. Um, but yeah, no real Trekkie. Yeah. I don't think I could consider myself a Trekkie. Yeah. But, you know. Robin, Trekkie. Yes, no? No. There's always room for improvement. That's what I always <laughs> say. Okay. So, uh, we're... We're going to get into this, and we're changing the format of the show a little bit <laughs> to where we're going to Change pick- formats! <laughs> we're going to pick... E- so the way it's going to work is we're each going to pick topics and discuss them with each other. And so I, as going first, I have picked Crisis on Infinite Earths, the comic book storyline, mostly because news is coming out every week about how the DC TV universe is going to enact Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's something that they sort of introduced at the very beginning of the Flash TV show. And so that was, you know, several years ago, and it's all being aired finally this December. So really the past year they've really amped it up with introduction of the characters that will really be sort of really are the catalyst for Crisis on Infinite Earths. So I thought it would be important or topical or both to discuss the parent storyline. So that's what we're going to do today. Is everybody ready? Yeah. I'm bracing for impact. Click, click, click. That's everyone buckling up. You're all buckled up? Okay. I really want to insert the uh, hold on to your butts like on every topic we ever bring up because you're like, get ready for this. It's going to be a bomb. Yes. Hold on to your butts. And then also, so this is uh, another thing to say is that the storyline as a whole is extremely dense. It, it was published in 1985. It's a very different storytelling style than is in comic books today. It's a 12-issue arc 
and it was released from 1985 to 1986, and it is so incredibly dense. And lots of story, lots of comic books were back then, but this is like, I think this reaches a new level. It's considered like the first real big comic book event, and it incorporates every DC superhero ever conceived in a 12-issue arc, and it's just sort of incredible, and it deals a lot with the multiverse, and at that point in DC, there were there was an infinite amount of Earths with different superheroes, and some of the superheroes on one Earth were villains on an... Anyway, so it's very dense. It's a lot to get through, and I'll probably miss some stuff, but we're going to synopsize it as a whole. We're going to have a discussion about it, and we're going to go... Hopefully, we're going to go back and forth, and there's going to be like a dialogue, and it's not just going to be me sort of verbalizing a book report. That would be boring, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Let's do it. It all began on the planet Oa. So the planet Oa is where the guardians of the universe are from. The guardians of the universe are the ones who create the Green Lantern core. Got it. So they forge through, they create the battery and the rings and and recruit space cops Mm -hmm. that, that become the Green Lantern core. So at the start of all of this, they were scientists and one of the scientists' experiments led to the creation of the multiverse. That's like the paraphrased version of it. So there was one universe and then this scientist experimented and created the multiverse, an infinite amount of whoopsie planets and yeah. And so he gets in pretty big trouble. (laughs) And so the Owens, because of this, feel guilty and that's why they create the Green Lantern Corps. So they feel guilt over having done this, having sort of, I guess in their mind, broken the universe into all of these multiple parts. And so they create the Green Lantern Corps to protect different sectors of a universe. And so with the creation of that multiverse was also created the Monitor, which is an alien being, which we're really going to dive into, and the Anti-Monitor. So I guess I should say with the creation of the multiverse also came the creation of an a antimatter universe. And so the Monitor was born in the, po- quote, positive matter universe, and the Antimatter was born in the... Anyway, so the Monitor spends his time observing and testing the heroes of the multiverse. He exists in a space between universes or outside of the universe and monitors and tests the heroes from each Earth, basically, getting them ready for this event, the Crisis on Infinite Earths. And the Anti-Monitor is directly opposed to that. So the Monitor knows that the Anti-Monitor is going to sort of start this war, and he's sort of recruiting heroes all along the way. Part of that aspect has been already introduced in the DC television universe shows. So to continue, I guess, with the preface of it, Earth 3 is an evil Superman, good Lex Luthor Earth. At the beginning of... Crisis on Infinite Earths, the book, antimatter is starting to spread throughout the universe and starting to consume positive matter universes. When we see Earth 3, it's being consumed and good Lex Luthor is sort of fighting against it. He realizes that nothing can be done and he sends his son, his newborn son, in a ship to Earth-1, very like Superman sort of storyline. Before his Earth is destroyed, he and his wife, who happens to be Lois Lane on that Earth, send their son to Earth-1. And the Monitor finds him and recruits him for the cause. So there's that. Any questions so far? (laughs) No. We have, I think, one more character introduction and then we can get into (laughs) what's going on. And then we have Pariah, was a scientist who discovered the multiverse in doing experiments 
to view the multiverse sort of begins this chain reaction that starts destroying universes. So he is basically cursed after that to be present for each of Earth's destructions, each universe's destructions. He appears there as it's getting destroyed, as another, as it gets destroyed and another one begins getting destroyed. He, he basically bounces from universe to universe, having to watch it as punishment for sort of what he started. He has a pretty big role to play in all of this, and he we also know that he will be a character in the TV show. So I think at the end of this, we'll go over like what characters are in the TV show, who's playing them, and how we think it's going to go in the TV show because it can't possibly go the same way as this. It's just too many. Okay, so that's all the character (laughs) introduction. So actually, there's one more. The Monitor has a sidekick, Harbinger. She goes around and she recruits all the heroes and positions them in different universes to help fight the destruction. And it doesn't exactly work. While she's doing that, so she sort of splits herself up, like she creates copies of herself, basically, and goes to different universes at the same time to recruit heroes. And while she does that, one of the agents of the Anti-Monitor infects one of her. And because of that, once she sort of reassembles into one, she kills the Monitor. It's also comic booky because in killing the Monitor, she releases his energy, which saves Earth 1 and Earth 2. So Earth 1 is what we what we know as comic book fans and probably what you guys are most familiar with. It's the Superman we know. It's Default the comic Flash book that universe. we know. It's it's Clark Kent. It's Barry Allen. It's Martian Manhunter. It's uh, Hal Jordan Green Lantern. It's all the comic book people that we know. Earth 2 is what they what they say the golden age uh, comic book superhero. So it's still kind of Clark Kent, but it's Jay Garrick the Flash. It's, it's the previous generation of superheroes just on Earth 2. And so those two Earths are saved by the Monitor as he dies. Okay, so the Monitor saves those two Earths, and then we'll skip ahead a little bit. The, the heroes are still trying to fight to save the universes. Basically, all the universes get destroyed except five. And so... The two universes that the Monitor saved are exist in this sort of n- nowhere place safe. Harbinger sacrifices herself to save three more Earths. So now there's five Earths safe from destruction. Marv Wolfman, who wrote this, wanted to... What's the right word? Wanted to... Correct? Not really correct, but uncomplicate the DC universe. Because having a multiverse with infinite Earths and that many storylines, he felt got too complicated. So what he wanted to do in order to bring on new comic book fans was make it simpler. Yeah. So he wanted to create this event that would erase basically all the universes, but one, or in this case, several. So he had this idea going in and he just wanted to clean everything up. So now all of these heroes exist on five Earths. And so from that point on, these five Earths are safe. Alexander Luther is now having been shot from Earth 3 as a baby, has aged rapidly. So once the Monitor was destroyed, Alexander Luther is now sort of leading the heroes to fight the Anti-Monitor. They have the Earth safe. They know they have to defeat the Anti-Monitor to keep them safe. They're still sort of merging together, and if the different universes merge together, they'll explode. So they have to keep them separate. If the mon- if the Anti-Monitor gets his way, they'll merge, and he'll be in control of the whole universe. And so Alexander Luther is trying to prevent that. This is like a... What did I call it before? Complicated? It's very complicated. Isn't it complicated? Do you guys see this? Just open up to any random page in this book. Whoever guesses 
or knows the reference that I made at the beginning that I would send them this. And as much as I want everyone to read this, man, it's difficult. It's just so packed full of stuff. Yeah, no, so the way that you're describing the backstory, just looking at the pages of the actual comic book itself, it makes sense that they're like, and then... And then, and then, <laughs> it's also and there's just so much on every one of those pages, and there's clearly like a huge freaking story. Yeah, I wonder if they. I assume this is where you're eventually going with this that they're gonna like have to reduce this down for TV somehow. Yeah, there's no way to do this for because that's crazy. Just because this is every superhero that's ever been conceived. I mean, there's there's a panel in here where there's like a room full of heroes just from Earth One and Earth Two, and it's just insane. You um, could literally break it down to just like there's the two, you know. I mean, maybe, obviously, you say there's, like, a bunch of different Earths that they end up saving, but mm. you could just keep it simple, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, it's it split off simpler. into two, yeah. and now we have to, you know. Man, yeah, so reading, it's it's not, reading's not a challenge. I'm not saying reading is a challenge. <laughs> what I'm saying is it's so different from what current current comic books are like. Like, there's a lot of, like, today, how I've, we, we could get into this at the end. What I'll bring this year? back up at the end. 1985. 1985. <laughs> okay, hmm. so, Alexander Luther, he's running the show now. Harbinger has seemingly sacrificed herself to save an additional three Earths. So Earths 4, Earth S, and Earth X were saved in addition to the monitors saving Earth 1 and Earth 2. So everybody got that? Got One, it. 1, 2, 4, S, Makes and sense. X. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so we went from an infinite amount of Earths to five Earths. Is there, do you know, is there any particular reason why those... I have, no, I didn't know. Okay, there's no, no. rhyme or reason? Mm-mm. All right. Yeah. Just checking. <laughs> Earth 1 and Earth 2, because Earth 1 had to survive. Earth 2, the heroes of Earth 2 were at some point... The main comic book characters. Retconned from Earth 1. Yeah, so we learned that, right. that they were just the original heroes of Earth 2. Like, they are the Golden Age superheroes, and then they were written so that they were actually from Earth 2. And so Earth 1 and Earth 2 had to survive. Earth 4, Earth S, and Earth X. Earth X in particular, because on Earth X, World War II has never ended. <laughs> so it's a very strange... Yeah. strange world mm. with a group of heroes called the Freedom Fighters, which consist of, among them, Uncle Sam, who's a Perfect. superhero, uh, etc. Anyway, so no, I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to 4, S, and X, but if anyone out there understands it differently, then by all means, let us know. Um, so Alexander Luther Jr., the good one, is in charge now. And he realizes that the monitor saved him in because he can open up this gateway to the antimatter universe. So, Luther, Lila, who was Harbinger, she sacrificed basically her powers to save these Earths. So, Luther, Lila, and Pariah recruit representatives from each remaining Earth, representative superheroes from each remaining Earth, to go to the antimatter universe to fight the Monitor. And he opens up this portal to send them there. So the heroes from the remaining universes go through the portal. They get to the antimatter universe. Superman and a hero called Dr. Light. Dr. Light was a superhero, and this is a new version of Dr. Light created by the Monitor to help destroy the Anti-Monitor. So Superman and Dr. Light start fighting the Anti-Monitor, and because they're in 
the antimatter universe, Superman's powers don't work exactly as they should. So he starts getting beaten by the anti-monitor. Supergirl, Kara Kent, Superman's cousin, also made this trip to the antimatter universe. And as she's fighting sort of the anti-monitor's defense system, she hears Superman getting beat up with her super hearing. And she flies to save him. Actually, that's the best part of sort of what we're going to cover today. This part in the comic book, this book really, I can't imagine having read it in 1985 issue to issue, but as a whole, as you're reading through it, you can really see sort of the story. I don't know of a better word than mature. It gets more mature as you go on. So by this point, the series of panels where Supergirl is flying to save Superman is just drawn and written in such an emotional way. Like, he's her cousin, and he taught her to be Supergirl, and he taught her to be super, basically. And he's this beacon of hope to everybody, and especially to her. And this is what it means to be a hero. So she's, of course, we're not allowed to interpret that. It's all in thought bubbles. So that's the way it was done <laughs> back then. So the written part of it, but also the drawn part of it, just the artwork and the, the way the panels are overlain has just sort of gone from this, I don't want to say gobbledygook, but like 20 panels a page to sort of this intricate overlay of panels that are different things going on at the same time. It's just Really good. You can really watch the book mature, I think, when you're reading it as a whole. So my point is that this is one of the best parts in the whole book. Um, Supergirl flying to save Superman, going through what he means to her and what he means as a hero and how he taught her to be a hero. And so she saves him from the monitor. And in saving, in continuing to save everybody from the monitor, she gets the upper hand and she injures him. But he is a very powerful foe, and he also ends up killing her. Which, again, if I think like something like that happened earlier in the book, it wouldn't have been as emotional as it was this late in the book. It's just written so well, and it's drawn so well that it's sort of a very emotional part. And, you know, Superman grieves, and they end up having a funeral for her, and Superman ends up having his own personal funeral for her. And that's where we're going to leave off this episode, but it's just a very incredible emotional end to where if you started reading this, you might not think it would have this effect on you because of how much the book matures over time. So just the way it's written and drawn. And it's just a really incredible thing. And it's also very Superman. I mean, just the, this, and this is why I love this character so much, but just her dialogue to herself as she's saving him and saving everybody else and and how he inspired her and everything meant really something to me. I'm not sort of minimalizing what she did as her own independent hero, just saying it's really incredible and it's written really well and it's very emotional. And so that's where we're going to stop with that. Um, I'd say we're about two-thirds of the way through the book very difficult to get through the whole thing in one sitting. Um, so we'll probably come back to it before it actually airs. But yeah, in synopsis, multiverse created, monitor, anti-monitor, matter, anti-matter, superheroes killed, and here we are. So I'd say for the next third, the book's going to continue to mature. It's going to be easier for me to describe the happenings of the next, of the final part of this because of the way it's written and because there will be less. Woo! All right. You made it. How do you guys feel about that? I feel warm. 
and thirsty. <laughs> There's a lot of story there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I just think like in comic book form, it works because you can you can tell the story as like slow and as densely as you want. Like you said, if it's coming out week after week, you know, mm-hmm. you can really fill with like minute details like that or <laughs> new characters and new universes, all the crazy stuff. But I just think how they're going to do that on TV. But that last plot point with Superman and Supergirl, that seems like that would be a pretty compelling way to kick off... Uh, this TV thing. You know, if they're looking for ways how to like shorten this story more concisely, you know, that seems like a really good invent to inspire other superheroes to get on the bandwagon or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, no, not Superman and Supergirl. Yeah, I agree. I really want to talk about how I think they're going to play this out on TV. Um, There's a lot I have to say about it. So it might be worth waiting until we're finished with the final third because there's so much more to happen and there's sure a lot of stuff that might change how we feel it might be done on TV at this point. But yeah, the the sort of inspiration of it and inspiring other heroes, those episodes, so... Because Superman's like the, the uh, Tony Stark, you know what I mean? Well, in that he's sort of was the first the that inspired other yeah. heroes, yeah. And I will say that th- that's my favorite part. Like I've said, that's my favorite part of this book. And it's also my favorite episodes of any of these TV shows. There's two episodes of Smallville that I could think of off the top of my head where Clark inspires his other Earth doppelganger, Ultraman, to be the protector of his Earth. So there's a doppelganger Earth in the Smallville universe with an evil Superman. And there's a couple of episodes that feature him, but in the final episode that features him, Clark from the Smallville Earth inspires him to be a hero. And that's an amazing episode. And then there's another one, which is the final season. The final season of Smallville is all about Superman inspiring humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's pretty much how he saves the day in the final season of Smallville, which is really great. And the Flash TV show is chock full of Barry Allen inspiring other people with powers to be heroes. And those are some of the best episodes. But look, so if you just so <laughs> look if at anyone's it. following along at home, it's if you have the trade paperback of Crisis on Infinite Earths, it's page two hundred and nine. That's another thing. This entire book is like three hundred and sixty-three pages. That's a lot. It's a lot of pages per. Um, How do they break issue it down? Wait, but per issue, that's the whole thing. But wouldn't this have come out in like segments? Yeah, that's what I mean. So twelve issues, a twelve issue run, three hundred and sixty pages. That's a lot. But two oh nine at the top. You don't even have. You don't have to read the words. But if you just that's Supergirl flying to save Superman, and just the way they've laid out the pages or the panels of like like it's just a box around what's actually. It's just I so think it's, it's all it's all like one picture. But they're like these. This is the chain. Of right. Events. The background panel is what's happening and the foreground panel is Supergirl flying there. So it's sort of showing you her super speed happening separate of what's happening in the background as she's flying. But it's also just a really smart panel layout technique, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's it's also just, uh, like I said, a very inspirational series of panels. But anyway, so that is first part of our Crisis on Infinite Earth discussion. I was going to open it up to the room. There's so much. <laughs> this would be like, it, it is Avengers Endgame territory. Mm. You know what I mean? Kind of similar vibes, you know, where like, it's this one shot to save the world or right. multiple worlds. Seems like more than a TV show. You were describing it as like a mini series. It's going to happen across several shows. Several shows for several episodes. It seems like this needs like 10 years of movie yeah. stuff to like make it happen though. Right. And then it also 
also was like, that would be such a good DC movie universe thing to counter Marvel, I feel like. Yeah. And th- it would have made sense for those two films to be competing, or those two stories at least to be competing. Right. You almost wonder, like, why aren't, why aren't they doing that? Because this is a pretty epic event that would bring together lots of superheroes, and they're fighting for the good of all kind. Multiple universes. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm weary of how they can pull that off for TV. It is strange for them to do it on TV where Marvel just spent 10 years right. doing sort of their version of this very well. They did it very well. Yeah, you develop it slowly, you introduce all these weirdo characters, yep. and then with the Marvel movies having the end credit scenes when you're like, I remember Thanos showing up like the first time and being like, who is this guy? Yeah. Like, I'm not super familiar with the comic book stories, but he shows up and he winks, and then you're like, okay, he's gonna be there. Then he shows up again and again. Mm-hmm. And then when you finally get to the last two Avengers movies, it's like, okay, all this, the craziness makes sense. Because if you ex- had to explain the last two Avengers movies, yeah, it would be just as difficult as this, right. I assume. There's these stones. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Robin? Uh, I'm interested to see how they're going to do it. I, I would agree that I think it would be better in like movie format. I think as TV, it has potential to be confusing or maybe even like messy. But I think, yeah, I think it has potential to be that. Because if it's, especially if it's across multiple TV shows, like what if you only watch one of the shows? Well, that's true. And that's a good point. But for every year, all of these shows have existed together. They've done this. They've done a big crossover series of episodes where you watch Supergirl and Arrow and The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. How do they tell you to watch the other shows though because sometimes at the Marvel movies they end and they're like Ant-Man will return in this other movie yeah like how do you know? Okay, we just finished an episode of The Flash, but now we have to watch this other episode of this. Like, that is super confusing. You have to watch the commercials. Or if oh you're watching it on Netflix, no, but, uh, you'll see. No, no, no. They talk about this on, like, Jedi Council all the time. The, like, inside baseball of these movies. Like, Rogue One. Is the average Star Wars fan going to know it's before the first Star Wars uh-huh. and not a sequel to Force Awakens kind of thing? Right. Where you're like, well, of course they're going to know they're stealing the Death Star plan. No, it's the very... The context is, is important. Sure. It's very insider. Yeah. But if you're on Netflix, you're going to see... The Flash is going to say, Crisis on whatever, part three. And you're going to be like, oh, I got to go and watch part one. Where's part one at? Oh my God, this sounds... So, I don't... <laughs> I don't like how it sounds. I don't want to be negative Nancy. I just don't. No, it's, I don't. I'm not sure I like the formatting of it. All good points. Lorelai and I are going through it right now. And we just watched, we're going through The Flash. They just had a series of crossover episodes called Crisis on Earth X, which is the World War II planet. We've been watching The Flash this whole time, but we haven't been watching Supergirl or yeah. Arrow. But knowing that we had to go watch you know, the first episode was Supergirl and the second episode was Arrow. I wouldn't say that you have to have watched the other shows because these crossover events stand on their own and they're mostly Flash-related storylines. So if you pick up Supergirl Crisis on Earth X Part 1, there's nothing in it that relates to the rest of the Supergirl TV show that you have to know besides this person is Supergirl, this person is her sister, they're going to go to Barry Allen the Flash and help him with this problem. I guess it's no different than comic books, period. It's like you have to have read this book to get this book or it just happens to exist with these certain strings of story that tie in with each other and you've either seen it or you've not seen it. Right. I haven't seen these newer DC shows. Smallville was probably the last one. There must have been some other in between there that I might have caught some of. Uh, I caught some of Arrow. 
Yeah, Arrow was the it's first one. It's the same one. Arrow, or there's a different Arrow show? It's the same Arrow as you would have caught they after They call it the Arrowverse, though, right? Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Do it for movies. I don't like I don't the know DC why. movies. This sounds so much cooler exactly. for a blockbuster event i don't i don't really understand why they they didn't do this so this the, so that going back to what you said about um infinity war this was really the first major event like for that the first major comic book event and it, you know it it encompassed all the heroes that dc has created and all the universes and it it was that for DC? So yeah, where, okay. Let where me, Marvel took this major event and turned it into ten years of movies. DC hasn't done that, and they're trying to do it with the show. And I don't doubt it's going to be good. The, I mean, most of the content, most of the DC TV shows are good. I would say. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say like, I guess we should stop crapping over just like the the fact that you're like it's not a movie. Like it's clearly a cool crossover. Right. thing period like the story itself could be really cool it's just a matter of if they execute it or not yeah i think they would have been smart to try to do this as a movie uh a series of movies like marvel did marvel had huge success with a very with their similar concept dc's just kind of been making movies and, and i mean not the t- only not ones, tying them together to one end result they've been trying to tie them together and it sort of culminated in the justice league movie which was no good but the movies the dc movies that they do make We only, in my opinion, only think they're good because our standard is very low for DC. Uh, So yeah, they could have like been focusing on this for years. It's now like something that they'd have to start now and wait. Right. For. I mean, I guess the Flash did it in five years or whatever, but but that's what they did with Marvel, I assume, right? They're like Infinity War is the thing we're gonna build towards, right? And then you tie up all of these stories. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound hard. Yeah, it just takes time. Yeah, it would. It's sort of hard in retrospect thinking. Okay, well, they started with. Well, there's no. They just started do with a Flash movie and an Arrow movie and a whatever. Mm-hmm. I, Come on. <laughs> you could plan this out in an afternoon. Sure. And we will. Get the <laughs> get the get the pictures and papers and red string. We'll <laughs> tack it all around the room. I don't know. We'll watch I'll watch it for sure. And I'll let you guys know if it's good. So that's that. We'll pick back up on it and uh it'll uh, I'll fill you guys in on how it ends. Yeah. We'll all we'll laugh, we'll cry, we'll have a discussion about television more so. All right, so that's it. That's the end of my discussion. Um, so coming up soon here, we're getting into Star Wars territory. The a, final well, trailer comes out. Yeah, as of recording week. this, yes, the trailer comes out tomorrow. I wow, think right Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so soon there will be the final trailer for Star Wars, and then we'll have a lot of Star Wars to talk about. Also, it's probably going to be overwhelming. Yeah. So. A surprise question for the group. Here's my surprise question. What comic books do you guys want to read? Neither of you, I mean, Robin's read some of, Robin's read some comic books that I've suggested. Saga. Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. Yeah. A couple of things. What characters interest you the most that you would dedicate time to investing in this medium? I think I'd be interested to read Watchmen Mm -hmm. just because I was super excited for the movie. I thought it looked like it was going to be really awesome and I was incredibly disappointed. Knowing pretty much nothing about that series, I was very disappointed. Um, There were a couple cool points in the movie, but the rest of it was pretty boring. Um, I'd be very interested to read the comics because I think the comics 
comics would probably be what I expected the movie to be. Um, it's a big book. It's a big book, which is, I think, the only reason I haven't bought it yet because it looks like it's like a thousand pages. I don't know if I would have I that. I think that's right that, up your alley, though, because it's so, like, dystopian. That's why I'm interested. That's definitely on my short list of things to buy and read and absorb. Watchmen also published uh, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So nice. A lot on the page. Yeah. Second. Have you read it? I have it, and I will bring it for <laughs> you if you would like to read it. Yes, please. Third, there is a current Watchmen thing happening in the show. DC. There's that. That's good. That was going to be number four. There's current thing happening in comic books, DC superhero slash Watchmen crossover. Hmm. That's pretty that's cool. That's going on right now, which plays into another DC comic event that happened because of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Like, in both the storytelling world and the sort of publication world, Crisis on Infinite Earth started this trend of DC rebooting things and creating these events to sort of start over at issue number one to as both interesting storylines and also to entice new readership. So the latest one ties into Watchmen. And four, there's a new Watchmen TV show yeah. uh, coming out to HBO. That's pretty cool. Yeah, looks it looks interesting. I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm looking forward to giving it a watch and seeing how it is. Watch. (laughs) (laughs) What do you got? Uh, I don't know if it would be cliche, but I guess I would have to say like probably some of the Star Wars comics, especially the stuff you were describing last episode uh, with like the alternate Vader, Vader as you did not know Vader, Mm -hmm. Vader later, whatever you described him as, you know, those would probably make the most sense to me because comic books for like Marvel and DC, comic book stories, I guess I should say, like never existed in comic book format to me. It was always a TV show to me, you know? Like X-Men was a show. Right. Spider-Man was a show. I understand that they're derived from comic books, but I don't think we ever had comic books around. Like That wasn't a thing that we really uh, celebrated in my family. It wasn't like passed to me by anybody. You're like the biggest comic book nerd I know. I don't know anybody else that would have been like, hey, you should read this comic. Like I didn't have that that kind of person yeah. uh, grown up. So those were always TV shows to me. But Star Wars was also obviously not comic book form to me because it was movie, but there's so much more of that story that I think would mean more to me mm-hmm. than filling in like backstory for Spider-Man. Like that could be cool as well to yeah. explore other Marvel characters, but it seems like the Star Wars stuff is kind of more like new ground. So that would make more sense to me. Right. So those Vader comics you were talking about seem pretty cool. Yeah. And maybe some of the ones that fill in the gaps between the uh, the trilogies as well. Yeah. Because I think there's some stuff between like Jedi and Awakens that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some stuff coming out now that is, there's a bunch of Star Wars books coming out now one of them is sort of snoke beginning to train kylo ren yeah that's got to be integral yeah stuff i i would find that very interesting I, I went to my local lcs and he actually had sold out of them so i couldn't get one hmm. but hopefully second printing soon and i'll be able to pick one up yeah um but i do have stuff i picked up some more vader trades and some other things that i wanted to read and i haven't been able to get to them because of crisis on infinite earths <laughs> All right, questions asked and answered. That's all, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Krypton to Alderaan. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Krypton Alderaan or at Krypton to Alderaan at gmail.com. Send us an email, send us a tweet, and also answer Joey's question from the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> I've been Joey. I've been Royce. I've been Robin. And we've been Krypton, Krypton to Alderaan. Alderaan on Infinite Earths. Nice. <laughs>